I want to thank our sponsor, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Hey, hey, hey. hey y'all, it's your girl, Kelly, with Kelly Talks. And we're sitting here with Mara Lee. Williams, I just found out her last name was Williams, didn't even know that. She just goes by (laughs) Mira Lee on the stage. She is a comedian, Mm -hmm. a singer, Mm -hmm. an actress. Um, And I'm really, really excited to have her in studio today because, man, when I tell y'all her story is crazy, her story is crazy. And she's super funny. Mm -hmm. And she talks about it all the time on stage, which is what compelled me to bring her on to the podcast. Yay. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. All about the authentic- authenticity. Yes, yes, yes. So, Marilee, tell us a little bit about yourself so people know who you are really quick. Even though I did kind of just do that, give me a little bit more okay. information. Um, Marilee, born and raised in Chicago, right on the west side. Uh, but my daddy was in the hundreds, so I'm half hundreds too. But um, grew up here. I've been performing all my life. I think I did the Chicago Talent Showcase on public access channel for maybe like eight to ten years like something in that mark nice yeah so i've been performing singing my mom was a singer too so that was kind of really given to me more so than learned or something it was something that i just did because that's what we did Mm -hmm. so i've been acting singing i used to dance with the dance company uh, wow. Yeah, Fred Baker and a West Indian Folk Dance Company. I was a principal dancer. West Indian Folk Dance? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have suspected that. Really? Folk dancing? Well, well, West Indian Folk Dance is a little different. It's hip. It's it's reminiscent of African because everything is done with bent knees and out of second position. But it's it's not necessarily folk He's as you speaking a would different language because I don't know what first position is. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, the founder, he is a trained dancer, so we d- we worked um, out of modern, African, folk, lyrical, so we kind of combined all that with West Indian, um, Caribbean folk dance, so nice. a lot of hip, a lot of winding, what you see on the videos, except it's, it's structured more uh, after other dance, you know, yeah. it's, it's nice, it's cool, so I did that. I was a principal dancer there until I went to college. And when I dropped out of college, I did not go back but because I started Where did acting, you go to college at? I went to ICC in Peoria. Nice. What, what does that stand for? Illinois Central College. Oh, okay. And then I went over to BU very, very briefly. <clears throat> what did you study at ICC? Uh, biology. Wow. That's completely different from what you do now. Yep. Have you always had an interest in biology? Yeah, I won the science fair every year. Um, Did you? <laughs> you said that proudly. I won the science fair every year. Every year for nine years. Wow. From kindergarten to eighth grade. I was valedictorian in my eighth grade class. Okay, so it was so, faith. Yeah, see, smart girls, what's up? Yes, I see you. But yeah, uh, but none of that was like my passion. Being smart was just like, okay, okay, and? Wow. And I just, I never wanted that. Like I could remember when I was younger. Remember, uh, remember the record the. You could record 
off the radio, off the uh, off the cassette player. You know, the recorders, and you could record your voice. Yeah, your own voice. Yeah, and you could either put batteries in it, or you could put the cord in it, and you could record your own voice on. Cause when I was young, we had these hanging fruit baskets. It's so old school. I don't know if y'all. Uh, if you I do remember those. They were the like the um, aluminum, like uh, yeah, like steel-ish type yes. of things, yeah. Okay, we had one of those. They always put dents in your fruit when exactly, you put it in there. <laughs> exactly, because you can never eat it in enough time. Yeah. <laughs> but I used to put batteries in that, hang it from the fruit basket, and act like I was, like, recording music like a superstar. So I had all these cassette tapes wow. of me just, like, singing. Like, girl, I did the most when You I have was answered literally my first two questions. Where did you grow up and whom did you grow up with? Mother, father, siblings. You said that. So your father was on the South Side, yeah. Hunnets. And mm -hmm. your mother was on the west side. Yes. Wow. So you got the best of both worlds yeah. of Chicago, basically. Yep. Did you have any siblings growing up either? I, my dad, can, he has a having kids problem. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, had, he was too fertile. Uh, so, yes, he had nine kids. Wow. And, you have nine siblings? Yep. And I was the, the baby after 26 years. When my dad had me, he was like 61. 61. So your dad had you when he was 61? Yes, he was 61 years old, having a baby. Oh, my God. Yeah, and my mom was 37. I was so going to say, how old was your mom? 37. So Turn they, up. Yeah, I was my mom's first and only baby. And my dad's ninth wow. child after 26 years. Go lay down. So on the west side, you were by yourself with your mom all the time? Oh, uh-huh. And then, you and then even with my dad, I was by myself or with my nieces and nephews because all my brothers were married. They had families. I was a great, great aunt. Great, great aunt. Yeah, so I, I grew up closer to my nieces and my nephews. Were they all nieces. boys? You said all my brothers, so you didn't have any sisters? Yeah, I do. I only have three sisters, though, and oh, okay. all the rest are boys. Six boys. Wow. Yeah. You also answered my other question. When did uh, when you were a child, did you know that you'd be doing what you're doing today? Apparently so, with the but batteries. I didn't. Comedy kind of just like, now that's what blindsided me, like acting and music and stage like that I, I saw that but comedy I never saw in all my life people have told me I was funny like in my eighth grade yearbook everybody was like I know I'm gonna see you on comedy one day you're gonna be a comedian and even then I never looked at that I never paid attention to it so comedy this is actually December 24th will be my one year anniversary of doing comedy for a year even though I've been doing comedy like seven years. I've never did it for a year. You always did stop. it, stop, did it, stop. And yeah. now you've been consistent. Yes, this is my this is my first year doing it. How does it feel? It feels so good and it makes me it makes me kinda sad about stopping before, but I know it it all makes sense. Now. Everything happens for a reason. It makes sense. You needed to stop. When I you needed stop. I needed yeah. to. Wow. Now I do know that you I'm going to go back to your childhood a little bit. I do know growing up you were involved in gangs and stuff like that, correct? No. No? What is the stories about? You said you were, I'm pretty sure I heard some stories when we were at Leon Rogers, uh, his event out where they were painting. Oh, no, I whooped. And you kind of got into like a big fight and you oh, came Oh, that's from what like I, I, I wasn't in a gang, but I didn't mind whooping Shamash. <laughs> but I was okay. not in, I wasn't in, I was never, in, no, never in the game. But people always mess with me because I always went to private school. I grew up on the west side. I didn't go to school with any of them. 
Okay. I was different. Okay. I was an artist. I was different from them. So a lot of them used to try try it, and I wasn't going. So I was completely mistaken about that. Yeah. So I was. I thought you were in a gang, and that's where all the fighting came from. But you just fought because you were protecting yourself. Yes. Really? Yes. And I used to be really passive, actually, like when I was younger. I used to be really passive. And then one day, I just woke up like, I wish the fuck anybody would. <laughs> and I had to be about 14 or 15. Like, no, 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 maybe 13. And I just woke up, and I was like, bullshit ain't about nothing. Wow. And I just started whooping ass. Now, did you find yourself ever initiating fights, or it was always? No, n never. Never initiated fights. What I do have is a mouth, and I won't back down. Right. So, no, never initiated a fight. Now, I have fought with my friends when they initiated a fight, but I was never, no. Okay, so now that you now now that you've told me that you were not in a gang, I'm kind of at a loss on most of these questions because I had so many questions around the idea that you were in a gang from that story that you told about having that big fight and you had a huge fight, right? What was that fight that you said that you had that you told at the at the particular show? I I, I when I got I have a slash on my right side of my face, I cut my face. Um I had a, a friend of mine, uh, we were, we did everything together in high school. He was a guy, nothing ever, nothing sexual, just like we were close. It's a shame that we have to say that as women when we say yeah, a guy. We, oh, but it was not sex. I am not a whore. Right. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, we were close, did everything together. One day he was in the car with some girls. I came to get something from him. One of the other chicks said something. I was like, girl, tuh. Got back in my car. She was like, yeah, bitch, you think you cute? Like, I won't beat your ass. So she so just she, started a fight out of nowhere with you? Yeah, so she went around to her car, got a bat out. Oh, my God. And I was like, bitch, I'll beat your ass without that bat. So it ended up being like a whole brawl. Anyway, me and one of my girlfriends that was in the car, we go off, enjoy the night, drop her off at home like about an hour later. Like, this was my man. I just knew he had got rid of them chicks. And like chilling, so I see his car pull up. Cause it's your homeboy, right? Y'all so been hanging together for years. For years, I'm just thinking like I know, I know they slid. An hour later, stop that. So I pull up, they all in the car with them still. Anyway, they hop out. We ended up fighting. My car's in drive, and I'm just with the windows down. So I'm fighting through the window. Oh my they God. tried to go around to the car, but you know the way the car is set up when the when your car is in drive, the door is automatically locked. Yeah. So, yeah, I ended up getting cut in the face. I ran his car door off, dragged her in the street, dropped her. Like, oh it was a my God. crazy, it was a crazy ass And there was no real reason for It this. was no real re reason. It was just hot tempers, young and dumb, and alcohol fueled. So You had been drinking as well? Yeah, everybody was, was drinking. That's what happens when you're home from college or you're 19 and you've been you think you grown, you make stupid, stupid decisions, stupid choices. Wow. And that's what happened. Do you find it that you've had uh, to deal with a bit of a temper in the past with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. Um, I'm trying to get better with it. My t it's so it's so short for uh, number one, when somebody comes around, I feel their energy out. If I'm not already here for your energy, I have less patience for you anyway because I already got what I needed to get from you, and therefore we don't need to even have a any type of 
going on outside of what we had to do. Mm-hmm. Like business is one thing, but personal is another. Like I really like to stay far away from that. And I have a short fuse and I'm just not like, oh, this, like once it's done, it's, it's forever. Like I'm good on you forever. Right. Like I've always been like that. Once you cross that line, oh no, that's okay. There's it could no be six years back. later, it's no need. Now, why do you, where do you think that temper comes from? Um, maybe being a only child or a baby, but my mom when I don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Wow. That's, that's pretty crazy that, um, that that fight stemmed from just nothing. And then you end up getting a scar that you Mm -hmm. have to look at every day for the rest of your life because of that. Very interesting. It was all so stupid. And had I been, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have even engaged that because my mouth fueled it too after the kickoff. So it was just a bunch of stupidity on all sides. Well, shit, if we all knew what we knew 10 years Girl, ago, life would ten. be different. <laughs> uh, so did you find yourself getting along easier with men no. than women when you were growing up? No, I, I, I'm all for my, I've always been all for my girls. Like I like to see women empowering each other because what you got don't take nothing away from me. Right. And anything that you get don't mean that I'm not going to get mine because whatever's for me is going to come to me. Even if it's 10 years later, it could be dena- delayed, but it can't be denied. So I, I just always have been close with women and cool with guys because I was silly. I didn't care. Like, I was just always me. So I had an equal amount of friends on both sides, but I was always down for my girls, always. Now, that's interesting because that can go either way when you're an only child. You can either be very selfish and think everything's about you, or you can either be. I have my moments. I'm an Aquarius, so okay. <laughs> I have my moments. You talk about bipolar too. Yeah, you talk about that. Was that actually diagnosed? Yes, 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 yes. Um, it's it's kind of hard, especially bl- black people, and mental illness is really, really hard. And it's easy to forget. That was an air quotes to forget that you have this problem that you're struggling with because you'll give it so many other names, like uh, backsliding, the devil, uh, anger problems. Like, no, I have a chemical imbalance. Do you think you actually have a chemical imbalance? I don't. Do you agree with that diagnosis? um, No. I think I'm temperamental. But... I I always wonder if if people, you know, when I think, because I was also diagnosed with bipolar mania, but... I completely just disregarded that when she said it. And I was like, no, maybe I just don't have the tools or the know-how to regulate my emotions because it's something that I was never taught growing up. You know, you think about certain households when you grew up in a two-parent household where they talked about their emotions, their feelings, and you didn't see your parents fight and argue. Everybody dealt with things from a more communicative standpoint. Then you have the proper tools to be able to go out and do the same thing. But when you saw yelling, screaming, hollering, fighting all around you, then that is your way of dealing with things. And when things feel good, things feel good and you're happy about it. And when things feel bad, your only way of dealing with it is through anger, frustration, and aggression. And it's not that you are bipolar or that your mind is chemically imbalanced is that you have habituated the behavior of doing it this way when you're upset and doing it this way when you're happy so that's when i i believe that too and and i believe it's just in in my case it's letting trivial things take me to the next level and then and I'm, i'm completely cognizant of it because afterwards i could be like oh i couldn't handle that 15 other ways, and all would have been better than 
what I did. So it's it's um, teaching myself patience mm-hmm. and understanding and empathy because everything ain't about you. Like what what you getting from somebody don't necessarily even make it about you. Yeah, they could be having their own little things, whatever's going on. But what I'm not gonna let. I'm trying to not let people do is to take me to a level because I don't know what you're going through and you damn sure don't know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And it's just easier not to even give you that attention or that power over me because I don't have time. That that makes sense. And they say we play secondary characters in everybody's life anyway. You know, yeah, we're the primary character and then my husband is a secondary character. And for him to take something that I've done personal would be him believing that he's the primary character in my life right which is not the case because that's impossible exactly i'm the only primary character in my life right yeah interesting uh so how did you get started in stand-up comedy oh okay how did i get started doing comedy i was doing a stage play uh with the comedian um and it was set up on a college it was like a college-based kind of play kind of like stump the yard it was written by calvin king um from u of i so uh he was of course he got everybody from the school all of his friends that are in acting and production and have businesses and they all came together to make this really really big play called cross it was great i was in it i played a 65 year old lady (laughs) i was 22 I played uh, 21 or 22, I played a 65-year-old lady. And I was just always doing stuff. Like, they were like, what? And I'm just like, what? And one of the guys that was there was a comedian. He was like, you should do comedy. I was like, mm, nope. So, no, no, we kept working together. He was like, try comedy. No, next play comes around. Like you should try it. So I'm like, so okay. was this all like in a few months or a few weeks? It or was just over, like over a, a course of a year. So so I finally tried. trying to tell you to do it. Yeah, I tried it. Uh, finally tried it in April at Casey Brown room. Casey Brown's room, cupcake, something. It's so old school. It was like six people there. <laughs> but um, and you said April of two. 2010 okay did five of the worst minutes it might have even been less than that it was it had no structure because I had no idea what I was doing didn't do comedy again and then like I did my first and this is what I consider my comedy anniversary because that was the first time like I had a plan when I went up there like I knew premise punchline and I was like okay it's, it's time how did you study that uh watching Oh, you just I started learned watching from watching. And then I read uh, comedy, not the comedy Bible, the one right after that by the same author. Um, can't think of. Judy. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what all her books it was are the either. the second book, not the comedy Bible. I read that. And I was like, okay, I get it. But I had already been a comedic actress, so it was like, it was kind of easy before I really knew what comedy was. It was easy to go and say, okay, this is what I need to do. So I got on stage at Uwe Room uh, September 4th, and I did five of the most mediocre minutes that I thought was amazing. <laughs> and that's all that mattered. <laughs> I thought it was amazing then. It was so, it was horrible. Um, but I thought it was amazing. And that's when I was like, okay, I can get with it. And then I was on stage five nights a week. 
Wow. So I was working from 9 in the morning to 6 at night, going home, take a shower, hopping in the car by 7.15, going to the south side, going all the way back to Maywood to go all the way to work in the morning and Lombard to get off, go Maywood and shower, go back outside for comedy wow. and do it every day for that's what I did. But then you stopped. What made you for stop? For months. Um, stuff that in hindsight don't even doesn't even matter. Um, lack of perseverance, lack of belief in myself, thinking that my talent was attached to anything other than me, you know. So I put a lot of importance on shit that didn't even matter in hindsight, and it it stopped me. Then I me and people, I'm like, oh. It's too much people. Right. Not too many, too much people. Too much people. It's too much people. So that and the combination of not really believing in myself, it made it easy to stop and go and stop and go. Because I wasn't really working towards anything at that time. And that was I the really reason didn't you believe. did it every time you stopped? It was kind of the same reason? Yeah, mm, yeah. for the most part. Now, and not you, wanting to be bothered. Like, did you ever? Bothered. Did you ever find yourself stopping because of like a relationship? I definitely, definitely had one. Like the second time I stopped was, be definitely because of that. The embarrassment of that. He fucked everybody, so it was like. Oh, it was a comedian. Yeah, it was. It was. It was crazy. So that and with the embarrassment, it was kind of like I just don't even want to be a part of it. Have you dated a comedian since then? Um, no, I wouldn't. Why would I do that? I don't know. Some Look, people. Why would I ever date a comedian? Some people. Do I'm drinking a PBR over, at over one p.m. and over again. You know what I mean? Like, why would I do that to myself? <laughs> I'm, all, I'm drinking beer at one p.m. She does have a beer. And now I'm going to date a comedian and make me do cocaine at ten? No, <laughs> no. Stay the fuck away from me. You and your punchlines want me to open up for you for the rest of my life. Fuck you and them ten ashy ass minutes. Kiss my ass. I'm about to do this shit. Black girl magic style, and I might let you open up for me, little bitch. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you got that off your chest. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I hope whoever you're talking to get a chance to listen to this so they can see oh, how you really Oh, as soon as they see feel. my name, they're going to cut that shit off. No. <laughs> it's going to get no tick. <laughs> now, you know what? It's funny because it, it, my... my um, my next question was stand-up comedy is harder and more competitive, especially for women, right? right? And then being a woman of color. I think that's changing, though. It is changing. I think that is changing. And when I can remember when I first started comedy, how competitive, competitive it was and how no women really reached out to embrace me because it's like, if you got a little talent, they like, oh, here come this bitch finna fuck up the book. It's because at the time, they only got one woman on the show. There's no shows produced that cater to women because on I feel on the south side of Chicago, the comedy, they they train you to open up for them for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, you're not trained to go out in the headline. You're not learning like that. You're learning how to do a hard 10, a hard 15, because they want you to open up for them for the rest of their life. So you got women, four or five women, scrapping for those 10, 15-minute paid spots. And it was just like, it was more so protecting the brand and even looking out to help and say, oh, well, you got potential. Let me help you not step in these pitfalls. It's like, oh, shit. Like that, like, like that picture of Dave Chappelle with the money. <gasps> mm -hmm. 
Like that's that's how it was. <laughs> but now I love that it's changing. Like women, we are we are fed up. We are fed up with secondary anything. Like because we work too hard. We have to be funnier than men to even be considered funny in the Very first true. place. Yeah. Like you have to really be killing everybody on the lineup damn near to be considered, oh, she's funny. And so with that in mind, and we're tired. We are fed up. We want our we working hard. We working just as hard as you, especially when they call us our name or when they introduce us, people already have preconceived notions in their mind and they're not here for it anyway. So then we then have to go get those people, the men that are like, oh, here come a woman. And then a woman like, she cute, my man has got a cheating problem. Let me hold his hand a little tighter. So then you have to loosen up everybody assholes in the room versus when men go up, they get the listening ear. A man, I watch men do sets and they can get six whole minutes to even get started. Yeah. They could drink beer, oh, what the fuck, fuck around for six, seven minutes before they even tell one joke. Women, we gotta come out swinging. Yeah. We gotta come out blazing. Now, do you find that to be a difference between uh, more predominantly black crowds and predominantly white crowds when you perform? Like, do you feel like you have to come out as aggressive Yeah, um, when you do black crowds versus... Of course with black crowds, it's more aggressive because they have a... A lot of times they have a specific type of comedy in mind that they want. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know what you like. And bookers should book what people like. So, of course, they're coming out for a more aggressive form of comedy. And you do have to... You have to come out swinging. Now, a lot of the other crowds, I notice... They're there for comedy most of the time. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it looks like. For people, <laughs> they'll nervous laugh before they just sit there in silence. Black people will be like, mm. <laughs> They will shut down. Mm-mm, triggered. Mm-mm. That's so true. No. That's so true. They do not like it. And then if you at the wrong crowd, they'll try to battle you for your job. And then you got to be like, hold on, bitch. <laughs> now, I was trying to tell you these six jokes I wrote. But <laughs> since you want me to talk about you and your lopsided ass wig, then I will. And then they like. <sighs> and they love you. <sighs> like, no, bitch. Like, I had real material that these other niggas had. Now I got to be out here talking about you and your mama. And, like, I don't want to talk about your fucking mama. Like, I can write, I can produce material outside of you. This is not about you. I don't do comedy for you. I right. do comedy for me. Okay? That's so interesting. I wonder why some crowds prefer self-deprecation. They prefer to be talked about and you know shitted what? on versus just actually get a good crowd. And I just experienced this Wednesday at the Be Wild Be podcast. I sat in at Laugh Factory, and they had a secret roast. We said, roast the audience secretly. We're going to read it. What do I get but a roast about me? Talking about, I did a set too. Uh, she said she was cute for a big girl. I could tell it was a woman because the way it was written and curls everywhere. It's just hating that so shit. So the crowd was allowed to roast the comedians that was on the well, stage? Well, the crowd, they were supposed to roast the audience. And then we were supposed to read it and they were supposed to figure out who it was about. The crowd was supposed to roast the crowd. Right. And then you guys pick who the crowd was talking about. But somebody roasted you. Right. Okay. And so then... I did. I gave her five minutes. They and after the podcast, they were like, "That was my favorite part." Like, what the fuck? All the great ass things that was said tonight. Hannibal Burris dropped in, and the best part of your fucking night was me talking about a hating ass bitch that couldn't stand to see another woman getting her shine on. Wow! Like that's your favorite part. Shut yeah. the fuck up. It's sad. Shut up. It is sad. It's that, like yeah. It's like you gotta stretch your comedy palette. 
Mm. So now you you have changed a lot since t- growing up and and fueling your anger with you know aggressive content, just going after it. You've had that. You know what? Let me think about this a little bit more. Let me stop. And w- are there any like daily practices or things that you did to kind of shift that mindset? Or yeah, stop doing shit that didn't feed my soul. Because that's what that. that's what makes you on edge. When you doing, you getting up working a job that you hate, around people that you hate, faking it, around other people that you hate, and you doing this thing that you hate because you got to survive, and it's like all that chips away at you, and then you're ready to explode at any moment. So I stop, I stop working a day job. I don't have time to do that. If I'm gonna believe in myself, I need to believe in myself. And if I if I don't take me seriously, how do I expect somebody else to? Quit my job. I'm not being fake and phony no more. Fuck this job. Fuck you, Mr. Principal. I'm out of here. Don't call you me no more. You worked at a school? Yep, I was a teacher. Don't call me no Turn more. Up. <laughs> don't text me no more. It was February. It was like four days after my birthday. I woke up one day like... <laughs> 2017? Yep, I was like... I woke up like... <laughs> never coming back here. I hugged my kids so tight that day and I never went back. And then I went to my family and even my mother and I told people how I would like to be treated now. What feels good to my soul. What I cannot, can and cannot deal with. And I just decided to just stop doing shit that don't feed my soul. That's very bold. And when I stopped doing that... The day I walked out of my job, I have never been hungry since. Before I tried to do comedy full-time, I was starving. But this time, when I made up in my mind, I'm only doing shit that feeds my soul. I've never had a hungry day. Now I be broke. My account was in overdrive last week. But today is positive. Right. And that's all from comedy. That's all from feeding my soul. I could be broke and sad doing something else. I don't have time. If you don't serve my soul, no purpose, you out of here. Person place thing out of here everybody can get it no goodbye do you have you ever heard of abram hicks i haven't okay well it's just this it's i don't i don't i'm not gonna try to get too far into it because i don't know everything about it but it talks about vibrations and aligning up and knowing um when you're unaligned right and when you're unaligned it's basically when you just don't feel good yeah when you have those emotions in you that are not positive and mm-hmm. that are not fueling you to be your best self is when you're unaligned and we all deserve to be aligned yes. that's what the universe wants we should be aligned but the only way to do that is to do what inspires yeah. you to do what you feel and what you want and not to take any other direction because mm-hmm. the, it's, it's almost like and they tell you it's the path of least resistance because people think the path of least resistance is a bad thing right mm-hmm. you go this way the easy way but it's not necessarily that you're taking the easy route you're taking the route that feels good Mm -hmm. the route that helps you become even better versions of yourself versus constantly going against the grain or trying to climb uphill when everything's shifting downhill or vice versa and you know what helped me to stop suffering in silence like i am that i used to be that type of person that suffered in silence suffered in silence so now I'm vocal and people are like, you so crazy and aggressive. No, I'm just not taking shit in silence. I'm, I, I don't have to do that. I don't have to suffer in silence. I don't have to be a slave to people that hurt me or situations that hurt me, that have no good for me. I can speak on that. That's my power. I get up and do comedy every night and I live my dream that way and I have to, I have to live it all around. So that's why I'm vocal. People are like, oh, you know, you... Yeah, I'm vocal. I'm vocal about my pain. I'm vocal about things that have shaped me into the person that I am now. I'm done being silent. And I'm just speaking 
excuse me, I'm speaking how I feel because that's what you do comedy for. Like, I don't not work a regular job to censor what I say. Why would I do that? Right. I can go to work and not curse around kids. Right. <laughs> the fuck am I doing that for? No. Right. Um, are you spiritual or religious? And what's the difference between the two in your opinion? Okay. I am spiritual. I'm not religious because religion i went to christian school all my life so religion has played a part in how i think and it helped to shape me just seeing religious people live totally different lives than they portray or wanting you to live a life that is not your truth because it makes them feel easier about the things that they do like that somebody is out loud like yeah i drink like oh no keep it quiet because it makes me feel better about my indiscretions but it's, um, it's, it's time out for that. It's time out for constrictions and any type of confinement. When I know God exists, I feel him every day. I know there's so many situations that were stacked up against me, and I came out on top. I think it all works together. I think the universe works on God's behalf, and then you meet people that work on the universe's behalf. I think it all works together, and I would say I'm more spiritual than religion. So you feel like a religion fuels that whole attitude of constriction or like yes. this is how you need to be yes versus spirituality lets you just be in tune with god but still mm -hmm. be free because then when you're in tune with yourself spiritually all those things that the bible talks about they come yeah you won't be you won't gossip or or covet thy neighbor's things because you're in tune with yourself and, and you, you those things come it comes i just wrote about that today about the and it goes back to the whole petty attitude, right, of how when we are so worried about what other people have, mm -hmm. want, it's usually because we don't have what we want, what we need, mm -hmm. and we're so busy looking for it in other ways, through yes. gossip, through, you know, mm -hmm. negative energy and all of that. Ain't it so funny how when you align yourself, all that stuff isn't even an option? It's not an option. And, it com and everything and you, don't you have need to comes. Go, and you don't have to go in church and fall out 17 days a week for any of that to happen. Yeah. Because it comes when you're in tune spiritually with God and with the universe and you're aligned and your chakras is killing it, it's going to come. Okay. It already it comes. Yeah. All right, I'm going to do my final four yes. for you. These are like bonus questions that I have that just makes me feel good yes. uh, to hear the answer to. What okay. is your pettiest moment in Ooh. life? <laughs> your most pettiest moment. <laughs> do you guys have another hour? Because <laughs> if, you could, if you could summarize it into like about five minutes, that would be great. <laughs> I used to be. I'm like a recovering petty holic. Like it used to be. Oh, what is one of the most <laughs> petty things I've done? Oh, no, that's too petty. Um, I want to hear it. I want to hear your pettiness. Okay, when I was in college, me and my roommate, um, I got kicked out of housing. Um, yeah, I got kicked out of housing. So I ended up going. Why did you get kicked out of housing? Some little E&J in the common area, and my roommate was white, so it had to be me. But it was us. But anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> it was deaf us, but they was like, only niggas drink Irk and Drink. No, this bitch from Oakney had five cups of this shit, too. Oh, my God. But anyway, um, I went and got a roommate with a girl that I knew from Chicago. She, We got a townhouse. She had four kids and was pregnant with the fifth. So... I used to wake up and I used to be in the house by myself with four kids and I had to go to class. So it got to the point where I was like, girl, I am 18. I do not got no kids. I do not got no kids. So we fell out, moved out. 
So she did, she cooked up all my food before I left. She get $1,000 in link. Bitch cooked up all my food. So she was at work when I was moving out. Y'all, I left all the water on in the apartment, opened up the freezer, took everything in that freezer out, left it open, left, took everything out the fridge, left the fridge open, cabinets open, took the sheets off her bed, like just stripped everything down, opened up the curtains. I, I was patty. Everything was on. Heat up, mask on. How about that? It was summertime, and I left the heat up. Like, I just went off. Oh, my God. Off. That, that is definitely super All petty. the lights on, door unlocked. I went off. I, I definitely think that it's probably much pettier than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was <laughs> just a brief flash of petty. It was not planned. It was just like, and you know what? <laughs> Like, that's how you know it's deeply embedded. Like, I got a petty spirit in my family for real. Oh, my Because God. I was just like, I had all my stuff. I was finna leave. And I was like, nope. Not without this. <laughs> and I just went on. That is hilarious. If you could sit down and have a conversation with any one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? My grandma. My grandma. Um, and why Because she's my grandma. And she's the first Marilee, and she's my grandma. That just and she died. Yeah, grandma? she died when I was young, so I don't have too much memory of her, and I just want to talk to her. Nice. What is something you would tell your 16-year-old self about life Ooh. that you've learned along the way? Anything? These hoes, and hoes <laughs> means men and women, these hoes be hating, okay? It's nothing that you're doing. It's nothing that you're doing. It has nothing to do. Somebody hating on you has literally zero to do with you. You don't give up. Don't give a fuck about any of that because what's for these hoes mad because they don't got what you got. And these hoes mad because you not like they not likable like you. And these hoes mad because they be mad. And that's all I would tell my 16-year-old self. It is not you. Hoes be mad. Hoes be mad. It's not you. If you could snap your fingers, this is the final question. If you could snap your fingers and have one thing for the rest of your life, one thing, what would that be? And this can be an emotion. This can be a thing. This could be a mindset. This could be a certain body type. This could be unlimited money. This could be anything that you want. What is that one thing and why? Happiness. I want to just be happy. Like Because I'm happy. Whatever that, whatever that is, like. Although I, w I want to make a living doing what I do, but I don't have to be, like, super famous. As long as every, every day of my life I can create and I have a place to create and I'm not poor, super poor. I'm, like, second-level poor. But, <laughs> like, that's good enough for me. Wow, sounds like the soul of an artist. Uh, why would I have this disease? Oh. <laughs> oh, such an ugly disease. The soul of an artist? Oh, man. I think it's beautiful, and you, it and you wear it so beautifully. But it's like, oh, it's it's so, it's torture. It can't be like if people you let it. like it's just ideas and concepts running through your mind all day, and then you got to be an adult and and figure out how to feed yourself, and then deal with emotions outside of art and people and real societal standards. But I want to create. I want to make a song. I don't feel like getting dressed today. I want to wear pajamas to this show at a bar with six people. Like ah. Oh. 
just <laughs> never stops. Tell us where we can find you at, uh, Marilee. Uh, I host a show. I co-host a show every Monday at Francis Cocktail Lounge, Manic Music Mondays. We're going to start having music. And that is in Chicago. That's in Chicago on 75th. I think it's 307. 377 or 307 East 75th. You will see Francis and Ill Will outside. Don't trip. <laughs> <laughs> Ill Will gets on our Monday night show at You're 6 so o'clock beautiful. every day. Spitting in my ear every Monday, oh Ill Will. I'll just put him up first because that's the only way. I have love for Ill Will. I, me and him both share multiple sclerosis as a yeah. as a um our thing. But, yeah, he's, he's an interesting character. Will is Will. And that's and the that's, best part about Will, because Will is Will. Yeah. But, nice. um, man, yeah, you can find me there um, on social media. I don't suggest that you follow me on Facebook because I might make you mad. You might make you mad. But, I mean, if you wherever you want me to find you, whether it's you so, can, uh, Facebook. Follow me on Instagram, fat in real life underscore, F-A-T, not P-H-A-T, F-A-T, in real life underscore. That's on Instagram. Nice. Anything else? I think that's it. Well, thank you so much, Marilee, for joining thank me you. in the studio today. I truly appreciate it. Yes. Hey, guys, I'm your girl, Kelly, and stay tuned. You can go online right now and go to Eventbrite and look up Live a Less Petty Life and register for my workshop. Yes, October 21st, my workshop, How to Live a Less Petty Life, hosted by me. It's going to be amazing. And I'm your girl, Kelly Howard. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm out. I want to thank our sponsor, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. (laughs) 